Well, this fall we're starting a new series on uh, the spiritual gifts. It's going to be called Your Gifted. You're gifted. I'm trying to make everybody feel good in the church that you all have a gift. You're all gifted. Maybe they didn't tell you that as a child, but you are. You're gifted. Okay? Um, and so we're going to be looking at spiritual gifts. And, and what it, I think this is so important because when you look at our mission statement, it says, you know, we exist to connect people to God through Jesus Christ. We exist to grow, to be like Christ, and we exist to serve others. Now, it might be tempting to think that spiritual gifts just kind of touch on the third one, the serving one, but really it's all three. Spiritual gifts impact our entire mission statement because if we want to connect people to God, if we want to evangelize well, we've got to be good at the gifts, to, to be speaking the gospel to people. And some of you are evangelists. Some of you are going to serve in such ways where you let your light shine and people see Christ in you. So all these things are connected. If we want to grow, part of that is, is teachers. Part of it is encouragers and exhorters, people that speak into our lives. But, but each of these elements requires spiritual gifts to be operational and functional within the church. So I see this as uh, a fall series that I think is very important for us as a church. Now, for those of you that say, well, I already know my gifts, and I'm already using them, I think hopefully by the end of this morning's sermon, you may see yourself where this might take you this fall. And, and, and trying to answer that question, for those that know it and they've been doing it, what word would God have for you this fall? For those that don't know their gifts, what would God have for you this fall? So, um, first, uh, a, a short story. One of my favorite moments in the Czech Republic. This, this is great. So I was sitting, I, was, uh, I had spent the morning uh, studying for this sermon today, and we, we, all, we all took a lunch break. And, and we're all sitting around and, and looking at the, the beautiful uh, scenery, and we're eating lunch, and, and I said, I, I want to thank every one of you that's on this team, because you've given me excellent sermon illustrations this Sunday. And everybody, you laughed, but they weren't. They weren't laughing. They just kind of looked at me. And then, and then after a while, when it kind of sunk in, they, they started saying, well, some people weren't going to be here. You know, we had our, our, our interpreter, Tomas, was with us, who some of you know. And he was like, well, I'm, I'm going to listen to the sermon and see if I get mentioned. There you go, Tomas. You got mentioned. That's all I'm going to say. Or maybe I should say uh, one of his best moments is when we were in the church and, and he was translating the sermon. So we had our little earpiece on, you know. And he's translating the whole message. And, and there was one moment when uh, they were doing the Lord's Prayer. And, and it was like, it didn't quite sound the way I remember the Lord's Prayer, Tomash. I'm not sure what you were doing with that, but something wasn't quite right. So there we go. He got mentioned. He'll be happy. Um, and this will, this will be good. But it might come up again in the sermon. I promise I'll only try to share good things. We had a great interpreter. Um, I really do appreciate him and everything he did uh, for us during the week. It was super helpful. So I just joke. You know that. All right. Um, turn in your Bibles to Second Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter 1. So our text this morning is going to be verses 6 and 7, but I'm going to start reading in verse 3. So if you're looking for Second Timothy, you could start at Revelation and start working your way backwards and you'll... They'll come across it. 
kind of before Hebrews, which is a bigger book. Second Timothy, uh, this is Second uh, Timothy chapter one, verse three. There'll be no notes, so this will maybe be, will be a little more conversational uh, and uh, follow along and, and write whatever the Lord you know, asks you to write down. Second Timothy chapter one, verse three. Paul says. I thank God, whom I serve, as my forefathers did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I might be filled with joy. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands." For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. The grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time but has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And, this, and of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That's why I'm suffering as I am. Yet I am not ashamed because I know whom I believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him for that day. Okay, so we're going to zero in on verses 6 and 7 out of that text. I'm going to read that one more time. For this reason, I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. So he starts by saying, for this reason, verse 6, for this reason. So if you see the reason, you ought to wonder, well, what's the reason, he says, for this reason. So you look back a couple verses, and you see that Paul, in verse 5, he says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith. It lived in your grandmother. It lived in your mother. And now it lives in you. That's why I'm telling you to fan into flame the gift of God. So Timothy has spiritual gifts. He has a special ability to serve the church. And Paul says, I'm telling you to fan it into flame because you have sincere faith. Everybody that has authentic faith has an authentic gift. Now, uh, one of the things you do when you come back from a foreign country is sometimes you bring souvenirs back to your kids. And I did that, you know, when you go to the marketplaces and you look at stuff. And, and some stuff is more authentic than others, you know what I mean? Like, you, you could be in Poland and you're looking at this gift and you turn it over and it says, made in China. It just doesn't feel authentic at that point. I don't know if I'm going to buy this, you know. Did someone make this in this country? Probably not. Um, and so it is with our spiritual gifts. I think sometimes, I think Timothy needed this. We need to hear, if you have authentic faith, you have an authentic, authentic gift. It's a gift that works. It's a gift that the whole church needs. And God gave it to you. It's not a fake Rolex. It's the real deal. And he gives it to you for the benefit of the church. And so that's where Paul starts. And he says, actually, it was a gift that you were given when I laid hands on you. So I think, I think what Paul's doing here is he's, he's uh, talking about Timothy's commissioning. Timothy's a pastor. 
And I think you can get the picture that the elders gathered around Timothy, Paul included. They laid hands on him. They prayed over him. And at that point, God filled Timothy with the Spirit and gave Timothy a gift. And if you, if you would look back at 1 Timothy 4, we can confirm the gift is teaching. And, and maybe it's also a little bit of evangelism, because Paul says, do the work of an evangelist. So, so this teaching ministry, teaching the church, teaching people not, not in the church yet, this idea of evangelism. I, I wonder, I mean, I know in the Bible there's a gift of preaching and teaching and the gift of evangelism. And sometimes I wonder if, if Paul's thinking of Timothy in terms of like both of those both of those gifts kind of together. Teach people who know Christ, teach people who don't know Christ, and, and call them to accept them. I, I wonder if those two things go together. Because I, I kind of look at it as, I think, I think my default is, teaching is kind of what we do inside the church. With, with people that get it, agree with it, no one's going to shout me down, no one's going to get mad, probably. But you go out there, and it's like, it's like different, because people could get mad. People could. And this is the issue with Paul. You that have read Second Timothy know probably a few things about Paul, but I'll remind you of them. First of all, Paul is like probably underground in a Roman prison in chains awaiting his execution, which is why he says, I've run the race. Right? I've finished. I've been faithful to the end. And so he's waiting to die. But also... He says, at my last trial, which we know uh, at that time Nero was in power, at my last trial, nobody showed up with me. So, so if you get in your own mind, Paul's in Rome, and he's on trial, and like nobody stands with him. None of the, none of the believers in Rome stand with him. No one comes from Corinth or Galatia or Ephesus. Nobody. And you can't really blame them because Nero is blaming Christians for the fires of Rome, that burned Rome, and lighting people up and throwing people to the lions. And so to stand with Paul is to join in Paul's suffering. To stand with Paul means I get to suffer for the gospel. And so you can see the climate in the Roman Empire is one of fear and, and maybe even being ashamed to be associated with Paul. And I'm not saying Timothy is ashamed of Paul, but, but Paul wants to go to great lengths to say, you don't need to be ashamed of me because I'm just suffering for the gospel and I'm calling you to do it too. So there's this thing about Timothy. Paul says in verse 6, fan into flame the gift of God. So again, as I understand it, that would be his teaching gift. Fan it into flame. Now, I know, I know how this normally goes. And, and when we talk about people like Thomas, we talk about his doubts, doubting Thomas. When we talk about Timothy, we talk about his fearfulness. It's, it's timid Timothy. But I'm, I'm not convinced that Paul is saying, Timothy, you are, uh, you are being lazy. And I'm asking you to stop being a lazy pastor and start teaching the way you're supposed to. I don't know that this is a reprimand. I wonder if it's actually if it's actually Paul saying, fire your gift up. Like, like however bright it's burning right now, 
Pour the gas on it. Don't do that in real life. That's dangerous. But, but you know what I mean? Throw some more logs on the fire and stir it up. Now, here's why I say that. Because when Paul talks about uh, not being ashamed, and uh, like that's verse 8, he actually uses a past tense verb that would imply that maybe Timothy is not currently ashamed. That, that maybe it's just a temptation. Maybe it's just a temptation that when you know someone like Paul and he's suffering, that, that maybe you would, would feel a little reluctant to be bold. And Paul says, I'm going to die soon, probably. I don't want you to back down at all. I want you to fire up your gift in light of persecution, in light of the Romans lighting up Christians. I want you to light up your gift. In light of the Romans throwing Christians to the lions, I want you to fire things up and be burning white hot. Don't step back because things are hard right now. Don't even think about that. I I think that's what Paul's doing. I don't think Timothy is about to let his gift die out. I think it's burning, and I think Paul's like, just make it brighter and hotter. Now, the actual word for uh, rekindle, it's a big Greek word that's only used one time in the entire Bible right here. Uh, and, and, and the idea is there's a prefix on the, on the beginning of the word. It's A-N-A, Anna. And, and, and it, can mean, it can mean like again, like, like fire it up again, like it might be dying down. Or it could, it could mean the word like up, like fire it up. By the way, I learned on this check trip that up is, 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 is the, the two-letter word that has the most meanings. Up, fire it up, you know, because you're not actually up, you know, but it's fired up, you know. Um, anyway, uh, sorry, sorry, that was just my brain. Um, but anyway, uh, fire it up. So I think, I think within the word itself, there is this idea of, of take whatever's burning right now and make it hotter. Make it brighter. Now, um, let me say it like this. If you, if you are coming into this fall with a very good understanding of your spiritual gift or gifts, maybe you've done the study at another church or study at this church or wherever. If you come in here knowing your gift and using it, and this is like, this is old stuff right now, I would argue that it's not old stuff at all. Because I think Paul's encouragement to Timothy and to us is, Take whatever you got going right now and take it to the next level. It's a present tense verb, fire it up. It's like continually keep going, keep doing this. Make it stronger. Make it brighter. For those of you who are not using your gift to build up the church or build up your community or reach people with the gospel, if you're not, and maybe this is a word for you to say, you need to get this going. You, you do need to stir up the fire because it's about to die out. But I think for Timothy, I would lean towards that it's been burning, and Paul doesn't want him to back off the gas at all. If anything, with the persecution, Paul is saying, step into it. Now, um, maybe, maybe this is as good a time as any to say... Uh, I don't, I don't know what you do, for some of you, to quench the Spirit. 
But I think that's a good question to ask throughout this series. Am I doing things that quench the Spirit of God working through me and using my gifts and abilities to impact other people? It could be fear, like Paul uses the word fear and being ashamed. I mean, it, it could be that you don't want to be on display. You don't want people to notice you. It could be you think you've got a bogus gift, and Paul's like, you know, you've got an authentic gift. It's good. It's going to work well here. I don't know what holds you back, but I know that our church needs you to step into that. Because if everybody here fires up their gift this fall, this place looks different. It looks brighter and it feels warmer. And after some of our hot summer Sunday mornings, it can get hot in here. You know this. But, but think about as hot as it's been here this summer. And we've had a few hot Sundays. I've been sweating up here. Um, hot on a Sunday morning is nothing like hot on fire hot. You know what I mean? Like those two temperatures are different. I go to church and I'm hot. I, I put my hand in the fire. No, that's going to burn me. That's like powerful. And that's the image Paul goes for. What would this place look like if everybody fires up their gift? I think it's hotter in here. I think it's hotter. Now, um, a couple things about this I just want to mention about uh, firing up the gift. Um, first of all, I'm going to say two things, basically, on, on firing up your gift. And the first one's this. If Paul tells Timothy to fire up his gift, that means it's going to take time and effort, human effort, effort on our part. It means it doesn't just come naturally. You may have a gift, but you're not exercising it, and so you're not getting better at it. I'm telling you, I love watching uh, professional sports. I enjoy NFL games. I enjoy college football. I mean, I like these things. If you were to tell me that the guys that go on the field don't work out during the week, that they just rely on some sort of natural athleticism to get better, they're not going to be winners. Your natural talents only take you so far. They have to be developed even further. If you want to be the best of the best as an athlete, you still have to work out, you still have to practice, you still have to put your time in. And so I say to you, that have a spiritual gift that you know what it is, you still have to develop it. I still read books on preaching, and I still go to seminars. Because I don't think I'm done growing in that yet. In fact, I know I'm not. And I want to get better. And I don't want to be satisfied with how things are right now. I remember uh, when I left, remember when I left Watoma, and I had done some preaching there on Sunday mornings. Not every Sunday by any means, but I'd done a little bit of preaching there. And as I was leaving, I remember uh, one of the founding members of the church came up to me. And she, she said, Niall, you, she said, I think I was preaching that Sunday, and she said, you, you've always been good at this. You've always been this really great preacher from day one. And I said to her, I think you're mistaken. <laughs> I, think, I think the Holy Spirit uses the preacher from day one, right? I mean, the Spirit uses whatever comes out of him. It, it, it's going to do something, you know. It, it's going to use it. But I don't think 
that, 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 that the gifting was developed at that point. And I listened to that first sermon. I preached on Joseph's life, and, and it was a little messy, you know. I actually listened to it the first week I was here in Three Lakes. I put on that tape, and I just listened to myself back, and I'm like, wow. I've come a little ways, you know. But the funny thing is, even to this day, um, even to this day, every preacher is going to tell you they have Sundays where they're like, what am I doing up here? Like, I bombed it. One pastor I said, her, uh, said it like this. It's like you have steering wheel syndrome. You, you preach your message. You leave church that day. You get in the car, and you just put your hands on the wheel, and you just stare at the steering wheel and think, what, what did I just do? You know? And, and I have those, you know, where I'm like, I don't, I don't know what happened. might be this morning the way I'm thinking right now with the jet lag, but uh, what is going on? Um, so I know, I know that if I feel that way, I hope that all of you feel that way. I hope that if you have the gift of encouragement, that you look at this fall as a time to get better at it. That, that you have the gift of giving, that you would get better at it. If you have the gift of exhortation, that you would be doing it in increasing measure. I hope that this fall you say, whatever it is God has given me, I want to fire it up to greater levels. I'm not just going to fall back on some sort of natural ability. I'm going to develop this thing. I hope that you look at it that way. I should also say that um, by talking about human effort, I'm not implying that God's grace is not right there with us. Um, Where did I see this? I just saw this recently when I was reading through 2 Timothy. Um, Here it is, Uh, 1 Timothy 2, verse 1. Paul says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's kind of like Paul says, fire up your gift. Timothy, you need to step out and use your gift, but but do it in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. So I'm, I'm not trying to say there's human effort and there's God effort. I'm saying they're all intertwined. But But if you're a Timothy, and in some sense we all are, we need to step into this. You need to start using your gift. And this fall, that's what will help you do, hopefully, in greater ways. But the second thing I would say, if it's going to take some human effort, then secondly I would say, you're going to need God's grace. You're going to need spiritual fuel to put on the fire. Now, if Timothy wonders what that fuel is, I, I think it's pretty clear in verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. I, I think these are the logs you throw on the fire. Power, love, self-discipline. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Now, in your Bibles, is spirit capitalized or lowercase? Just curious. Lower? Anybody capital? There's a few capitals. Which translations are those? Anybody? What do you got? NIV's capital? Anybody else? Didn't have time to check this out this week. See, you're, you're, you're giving me good feedback here. All right, NIV's cap. Okay, good, good, good. If it was me, I'd capitalize it. I mean, I'm just telling you. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit, Holy Spirit, of power, love, and self-discipline. Some translations say self-control. Some translations say sound mind. I'll, I'll get to that in a second. But, but this is what he's saying. If you want to fire up your gift, this is how you do it. 
you, you, you say, Holy Spirit, would you give me increasing measures of power so I'm not scared of using my gift in front of people? Would you give, would you give me power so that when I open my mouth and say something that you use it? That when I speak the gospel to somebody, that you make that effective, whatever I've said? When I encourage someone that you use that word that I said? Well, whatever it is, that the power has to be with it for it to work. And you've got to have power to do it, otherwise you're going to shrink back. And some of you are not using your gift because you're not tapping into the power. You just ask him. It's not there because you don't have to do something to get it other than to ask for it. Power. He also says love. Love is like the motivation, right? I'm not using the gift for me. I'm not using it to build me up. Hopefully you caught that with what we said about Eric this morning. He's not using it to make a name for himself. He's doing it for God's glory, his glory. All the stuff that happens up here, I always pray that that it doesn't become about a personality or or anything to do with with that sort of thinking, that it's about God's glory. We open his word. And and when you love God and love people, it's not about you, right? It's it's more selfless. You've got to have love behind it. Otherwise, as Paul says, it's just a big gong. It's a big gong. I wonder how many sermons of mine have been gongs. You ever thought about that for your own life? Gongs? Doing things not out of love, but for some other self-interest, some other selfish reason? It's nothing. So love's the motivation. Love keeps it relational. And then thirdly, there's this this, uh, self-control, self-discipline. It could be sound mind. When he says sound mind, which, which is a pretty literal translation of this word, I think this is another one of those words that's only used one place in the entire Bible right here, sound mind. He doesn't mean sanity. He doesn't mean mental health. He means I have a mind that's focused on Christ. And whether I'm scared or not, I'm stepping forward in power and courage to do what he's called me to do. That that whether you're going to execute my mentor and my father in Paul, I'm going to keep preaching the gospel. Because I have self-control that starts in my mind. And I'm not going to let my emotions get the best of me and tell me to hold off or to tone it down. I'm going to step into this. That's the self-control that's going on here. Don't be scared. Don't be ashamed. You've got self-control. The Spirit gives that to you. And, and I don't know. I, when I was studying, when I was looking at this this week, I was thinking about all this and power, love, self-discipline. And I was thinking, maybe, maybe this is what I want most of all. I want for me and for you to use our gifts in a way that when people see it, they think, nobody could have done that but God. Like, do you want to settle for doing things that seem normal and common to you? They say like, oh yeah, I, I could totally see them doing that. Like, that's just, that's just how it is. Everybody does that. I, I want that when you would use your gift... People would say, 
that's the Lord in you. I want to do things that people can say that can't be done except by the power and love of God. There's no way you could have stepped into that except God did it. Wouldn't you like to have a life like that? Where you accomplish things that are greater than you and what you could have done on your own? And that's what I see Paul saying to Timothy. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. That's a joke. He wouldn't do that. But but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. I will never forget, I'll never forget the first time I, I had to get up and, and teach in class. They do these terrible things to you in college where they, they make you teach your peers when they're teaching you how to preach, and then they film you, and you have to, like, watch it back. Did you have to do that, Ian? Was it bad? Horrible. It's horrible. It's worse than Horrible. Talk about a spirit of fear. <laughs> and uh, I remember working at Inner City Impact. Shout out to the Josuaks who also worked there. Where are you guys at? Right there. Um, Inner City Impact. I remember the, the leader of that ministry saying, I'd like to give you an opportunity to speak to these kids, these inner city kids. And I was like, no way! I'm like a freshman in college. I don't, I don't even have to Bible teach. I haven't had the preaching classes yet. I can't do that. And then it happened again when I was doing this Awana program, um, Montrose Baptist Church, I think. And it was like, you got to step in and just teach these kids. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. No idea. And then I finally had to preach in the Bible class. And I remember it was an evening class. And it was like, it's your turn to get up and, and preach to your classmates. And I'm like... I hated speech, I hated it at Moody, and I hated it in high school. I hate it. And then I remember that first night I was preaching on uh, giving and money. Oh, I was poor. I was poor. I was preaching on giving and money and being a cheerful giver. I remember opening my mouth to the class and I don't even know what came out, but when it was all over, I thought, well, that wasn't too bad. And, 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 uh, and it wasn't me. It was like a shock. It was like a shock that it went that well. I don't remember my grade for it, but I was just shocked that it wasn't a D. And I'm not saying that to say, well, look how far I've come. No, 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 no. I'm just saying it to say, we all have to start somewhere. And when you step out... When you say, yes, I'm going to fire it up, I'm going to fan the flame, I'm going to do this. God, give me the power, give me the love, give me the self-control. He, he gives it to you and it, and it happens. It happens. Yeah, you've got to develop it. You can take a seminar on it. You can learn about it. You can study the Bible about it. There, there's human things you can do. But there's a spirit quality that's like the X factor. I, I can't explain it other than the Holy Spirit just does it. So train, the athletes need to work out, work the muscles, but there's a God factor there. I'd like to see both this fall, that we work out the spiritual muscles and say, here's how I'm going to learn how to do my gift better. But the spirit part, God's going to do some amazing things here as we step out in this. That's what I'm praying about for us this fall.
Would you join us in this journey? If you're not in a community group, those are going to be great places to discover more. I think the best place to discover your gift is in the context of community. I've seen a lot of people that are singing like that old American Idol show, and they're singing the solo, and it's like they don't know they're off-key. They don't know they have, they've got nothing going on in that department. That's not working, you know. And we need people to speak into our lives on that, you know. We need that. But let's step in. And maybe, maybe God will surprise you with a gift you didn't even know you had. Maybe he'll give you a gift this fall that you didn't know you had. Let's fire them up and see what God Let me pray for you, worship team, if you would come up.